0: It's good to see everyone, as Josh said, on this beautiful, sunny morning. I did not get to do a sound check earlier, so I apologize if uh, with I, I threw this on Levi. He's got to scramble at the last minute. It is a pleasure and an honor to get to uh, yeah, preach God's word this morning. Pastor Derek um, is covering the pulpit for Seven Lakes Baptists and so invited me to Open God's word. We've been going through the minor prophets um, and we have one prophet left to go, but i uh, going to leave that for Derek to cover. And so we're going to have a one-off sermon today out of Psalm 103. So I invite you to uh, grab your Bibles and turn there because that's where we will be spending our time this morning. So I have a question for you. Have you ever been rightfully entitled to something, either something you paid for, something that was gifted to you, and yet you barely scratched the surface of fully of using the benefits of that thing? Maybe that was a a gym membership that you went once a month, once a year. Uh, Maybe it was um, a timeshare property that somebody in your family had, and you just, you know, you got to use so many days a year, and you just, Never could seem to get the calendar lined up to do that. Uh, My parents, several years ago, got a gift certificate for my birthday, gave that to me. It was for one of those indoor skydiving places. I've still yet to use it five, six years later, which I feel horrible about because it's probably like $100 or more. Um, So yeah, we don't fully get to use the benefits of something that are ours. It feels lousy. Uh, You know there's more to be had, more to be enjoyed, but you fail to remember it all and to to take action to enjoy it the same is true for our walk with christ we are all too forgetful of all the benefits and the blessings of knowing and of being known by the lord so david has some helpful words for us in that regard to bring us around to a greater experience of god's blessing and his benefits With David's hymn of remembrance and thanksgiving in Psalm 103, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at uh, the bounty in God's benefits, the tenacity of God's benefits, and the boasting from God's benefits. So the bounty, the tenacity, and the boasting from God's benefits. I know uh, Josh just prayed, but I got to pray for myself too, um, just as a, a rhythm. And so if you'd, again, bow your heads with me. Um, Father, we can never pray too much. So I just I join Joshua's prayer. We are opening your Word that is still today, though written uh, hundreds, thousands of years ago. It is still living and active uh, because you wrote it by your Spirit. And so we ask you, Spirit of God, to come uh, right now and breathe upon your Word. Um, let our ears and our hearts be open to receive what you've written here, which applies to every people, every tongue, every tribe, including us today here in Stanwood, Washington. So uh, please take your word, apply, uh, convict us, encourage us. Uh, Most of all, just show us how beautiful and glorious uh, and holy you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We don't always do this, but I kind of like to do it sometimes. If you're able to, would you, uh, we're going to read through all of Psalm 103 just to get started. So if you're able to just uh, stand with me as we read, and it's not a thing we do necessarily as a whole church, but just as a way to honor God's word and to to move our bodies, um, just one of the ways we can worship God. So Psalm 103, all 22 verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He has made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to the children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his well. Bless the Lord, all his works. In all places of his dominion, bless the Lord, O my soul. This is God's word. Go ahead and have a seat. So starting off, first of all, just wanting to look at the bounty of God's benefits. David starts out the first five verses of this song in a unique way by talking to himself. On the face of it, it seems maybe a little strange uh, to us when we people talking to themselves. We kind of look a little sideways and try to see, do they have a Bluetooth thing in their ear or what's going on there? Uh, it's a little odd when people do that. Growing up, um, we would go to Spokane for Thanksgiving, and my grandma had been widowed for probably at least 10 or 12 years, and so it was not uncommon to catch her in the kitchen at like 10 at night the day before Thanksgiving, getting the, the rolls that she was making or something together and just hear her talking to herself, oh, Opal, don't forget to do this, don't forget to do that, and it was sweet, it was cute, and I just kind of knew she's probably been lonely, and so this is some of that companionship. But it, at times, again, just seems a little off when people talk to themselves. David's not just thinking to himself internally or even out loud, man, I should be praising God more. No, he's having just a full-on monologue with himself. Effectively, he is saying, David, you need to get your rear and gear here. Let's go. You have been in this rut for too long. Don't you realize who your creator and your maker and your savior is? Praise him. This is not craziness. This is actually maturity. This is what maturity looks like. I mean, when you think about it, what are New Year's resolutions? But they're conversations between our aspirational self with our lazy self about what kind of person we want to be and where we want to grow. What is journaling? But in many ways, it's... Uh, a reflective conversation with ourselves and with God about the joys and the sorrows and the fears and the hopes of our lives. The fact is that talking to ourselves in these ways is healthy. David employs this not just here in, uh, here in Psalm 103, but also in Psalms 42, 43, 62, and elsewhere. So learning to preach the truth to ourselves, to, to rouse ourselves To remember God's faithfulness, again, that is maturity. That is healthy. It's essential, really, even, to use an outdated uh, musical metaphor that might go over some of you uh, teenagers or youth. It's kind of like just when our lives get stuck in the groove of that record, and it's just repeating over and over and over. And preaching to ourselves is picking ourselves out of that groove, that rut, and putting us back on track where we can continue to sing God's praises. So what does David call himself to remember and to not forget? God's benefits, his gifts, his blessings. And we need this reminder as well, especially in our reformed spheres and circles, because I think a lot of times our tendency is to get imbalanced. We see the error and the false doctrine that's put forward by the health and wealth prosperity teaching, where there's so much Emphasis put on what God can provide and his blessings and his benefits. And, of course, they tend to be material and um, consumeristic. And so we, we see that, and we kind of react to that and push away, and, and we say, no, 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 I, I just need God. That's all I need. It's all I want. And there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, there's, there was a song on the you know, popular Christian radio a few years ago that the lyrics of it said, help me want the healer more than the healing. Help me want the Savior more than the saving, the giver, more than the giving. Oh, help me want you, Jesus, more than anything. And I would say yes. That is, there's a lot of truth there. We ought to hunger for heaven, not because there's streets of gold or there's healing where every tear is wiped away. Those are good things. Those are true things we can expect about heaven, but we should want heaven most of all because we no longer will have to look through a glass dimly uh, at our God. We will see him fully transparently clearly just right before us so the yes and amen we should only want god um, and yet and yet in that pursuit david tells his soul and tells our souls don't forget all his benefits keep those in full view celebrate all that god has given us it's okay to remember we must remember all his benefits and his gifts to us because they're a demonstration and an outflow of his character and of, a, of who he is. James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. So by tracing back all these rays of light that flood into our lives, we can see the source, the savior, the son, who is the one who has shined those things into our hearts. Uh, Carly does an awesome job at least every year, if not more often, of any time we wrap out a calendar year or maybe we've taken a a road trip, she does a great job of grabbing all those digital photos that we so often just leave on the cell phone. Um, And she puts them up in, I think, Shutterfly and puts together a book. And one of my favorite things to see uh, is our boys sitting on the couch, whether by themselves or with each other, just going through this year's book or the book from eight years ago and remembering... All those benefits, like, remember how God took us on that road trip, or we did that thing there, and um, oh my goodness, I couldn't, that was me? I thought that was, just seeing all the benefits and the blessings that God has showered in our lives, they are reinforcing in their hearts when they do that, all the benefits God has poured out. So it's clear now that we are called and we are even commanded not to forget, but to remember All of God's benefits. So let's just look at two of those benefits. Again, in verses uh, 3 and following, 10 and 12 as well, we see that God forgives and God forgets. Verse 3, "...who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor does he repay us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west." Verse 12, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. In a song, a psalm that proclaims we ought not forget God's benefits, the sheer number of verses and words devoted to reminding us that uh, in Christ we are forgiven communicates how central and primary this benefit is. In fact, it's the first benefit that David leads off with. Some benefits are, are more secondary. Uh, Or tertiary, uh, a peripheral, such as maybe how the Holy Spirit gifts and empowers his body to do God's work. Those are things that faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, we can debate about. What does that look like? Those are sort of, of a secondary nature. But the magnitude and the majesty of God's complete forgiveness of our sinful hearts is so central to our faith and our relationship with Jesus. It is not up for debate. If Jesus doesn't heal our bodies this side of heaven, we'll be okay. If he doesn't give us the income we want, we'll be okay. If he doesn't heal that relationship that has a tear in it, that'll be hard, that'll be difficult, but we'll be okay. But if he doesn't forgive and remove our transgression from us, we are damned, we are doomed, we're dead. So this is central. Verse 3 says that God heals all our diseases, which is a curious phrase because that's not often our human experience. We hear stories of people maybe far away or different times. We see certain miracles in scripture and that doesn't line up with our present day human experience necessarily. And even David who wrote this song didn't necessarily line up with all of his personal experience. He had a son whom he prayed for, even fasted for that God would heal him. And yet his son still died. Many of you right now could desperately use some healing or you have loved ones who could. So what are we to make of this verse when the scriptures say, who heals all your diseases? While I definitely believe that uh, God gifts us healing through common means like doctors and medicine, as well as through his miraculous touch, I think David is being poetic here about the state of our souls before God. Sin, which is rebellion and mutiny against God, it is a cancer that every one of us is born with. It metastasizes, it mutates. Unless the great physician removes our cancerous heart and gives us a transplanted new heart and continues to radiate us with his holy spirit. Isaiah makes it clear in chapter 53. Uh, of his book that all of humanity was sick with sinful hostility toward God and so we read in Isaiah 53 and verses 3 and 5 the following He was despised and rejected by men man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and is one from whom men hide their faces He was despised and we Esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, verse four. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. There's three references to forgiveness and then that reference to healing. And then in Jeremiah three, twenty one and twenty two, we also read. A voice on the bare heights is heard, the weeping and the pleading of Israel's sons, because they have perverted their way. They have forgotten the Lord their God. Return, O faithless sons, God says. I will heal your faithlessness. So God heals us of the cancer of sin. What an amazing benefit. When our eyes pop open every morning, we should be overcome with gratitude, that cancer that gripped my soul with self-absorption and hatred toward God has been healed. Hallelujah. But that is not all. God forgets, doesn't just forgive, but God forgets our sin as well. Again, David says in verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So when our great physician takes out our cancerous heart, he doesn't just then put it in a jar of formaldehyde on the coffee table in the living room for us to see and remember and, you know, hey, Nate, that transplant was, uh, was kind of costly. So maybe you could knock off the hard living and, you know, watch yourself a little more. Like, just remember, would you? No, God doesn't do that. If you've been made alive in Christ, God says, Jeremiah 31, 34, and elsewhere in scripture, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. Now, God's memory isn't faulty. He's not forgetful or senile. In fact, all of time is actually before God right now. You and I have past, present, future. God is outside of time. So all of time is just boom, right in front of him. So there is really... In the sense of a a good memory, like there's not a forgetting that way, but it's that God doesn't hold those things against us. Not even our most heinous, ugly, shameful sins. And we can be guaranteed of this because God the Father, for him to remember those sins, to have that cancerous heart on the coffee table and the jar of formaldehyde, it would be for him to say that Jesus' death was not sufficient, that it was lacking. That it wasn't finished. But Scripture tells us just the opposite that Christ died once and for all, absorbing the Father's just wrath for our sin, rising from the dead and being seated at His right hand because He had accomplished our redemption and our forgiveness. This is a special verse to me because in my late teens, I'd carried around a lot of guilt for, for my sin that um, I was battling. And I wasn't really experiencing or walking in the reality that God, if I am repentant and ask forgiveness, that he forgets and wipes away. I still felt like God was just up there like, man, you loser. Get it together, buddy. So s- between the junior and senior year, um, and if I've shared this story with some of you, forgive me. Allow me to share it again. Uh, between the junior and senior year of, of high school, got to go um, on a backpacking trip. Uh, with Malibu, uh, excuse me, with Young Life, up to Malibu, which is up in Canada. Um, And there's a bunch of mountains up there, and they take youth on week-long backpacking trips. I'd never been backpacking before, and so this was an amazing uh, experience. At the beginning of the trip, was led by two, again, I was probably 17, and I think the the leaders were maybe 22, 23, um, godly men, but guys that... We're just young enough, old enough to look up to, young enough to relate to. And at the beginning of the trip, before we'd really set out, they said, we want you guys to find, and I was going with about, I think, 12 other youth, um, similar age to me. They said, we want you to find a rock. That's about the size of a grapefruit or a softball, and we want you to put that in your backpack. Now, even if you've never been backpacking, I'm sure you can kind of figure out, not a great idea to s- start out a trip that way. You, you kind of want to actually throw weight off. You don't want to add weight on I mean, people even take, you know, their little plastic toothbrushes and cut them in half just to try to trim ounces. So adding that much weight, not really an exciting idea. But they explained uh, that, of course, we're not trying to get the best time of the hike. This is about a drawing closer to God uh, through this hike. And so they said, we want you over the next three, four days as we start trekking up to our summit to be pouring into and thinking about what have you been carrying around that you have not given to God? What weight has been weighing you down in your relationship. So about the fourth day of the hike, we reached our summit. And like every other guy on the trip, I was sick and tired of carrying around this extra weight. And this was my first time again backpacking. I'd never literally been on a mountaintop. And so it was pretty awesome to get to that summit and to see as far as the east is from the west, that from what we could see up in the, the Canadian Rockies there. And that's where that verse came flooding back to my memory god was saying nate as far as you can see that direction and as far as you can see that direction that weight you are holding and carrying that guilt that shame i do not hold that against you so get rid of it and i nearly dislocated my shoulder throwing that rock as hard as i could off that mountaintop it felt so good to experience that freedom we get it so backwards as followers of Christ, we forget the truth that thinking that he remembers our sins instead of remembering the truth that he has forgotten our sins. So where do you need to remember this morning, this benefit of your relationship with Christ? That if you are indeed in Christ, if you have repented of and confessed that sin, that he doesn't hold that against you anymore Where do you need to hear God saying to you this morning and to me, I have forgiven and forgotten that sin. Don't let it identify you and form you anymore. Let my son's identity form and define and shape you. He offers you and I a clean, guilt-free conscience if we walk with him in the light. So take him up on that benefit. There are many more benefits, as we already saw, reading through all of Psalm 103, but I'm going to leave the the listing there and just speak to the the tenacity, the um, stick-to-itiveness, if you will, of God's benefits. So we're going to transition from the bounty again to the tenacity. The fact of the matter is that even as amazing as all of God's gifts and blessings are, we'll continue to forget them. We're going to go from here today and think about lunch and think about the projects we got to do and so on and so forth. And we'll forget this beautiful, glorious truth in Psalm 103 and throughout all of Scripture. And so we need hope. And David knows this. In verses 6 through 14, David shifts, shifts from singing to himself to singing to all of Israel. And with that shift, he invites his hearers to remember Some history, specifically Israel's exodus out of Egypt. And even looking back to the Garden of Eden, verses 6 through 9. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He has made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. David in his song here isn't so much reminding his fellow Israelites that God kicks the rear ends and the butt of other nations who oppose and oppress Israel, though he often did that. Mm-hmm. No, the anger and the chiding David mentions isn't in response to other nations. It's in response to Israel's fickle and forgetful hearts. So many of these lyrics here closely echo what God spoke to Moses when he revealed his glory to Moses in Exodus 34, 5 through 9. Of course, we all remember uh, that Moses said, show me your glory. And so that is what God did for him. So in Exodus 34, 5 through 9, this is the exchange that God and Moses have. I really need glasses to find these little numbers better. The Lord descended. This is where he's hiding Moses in the rock. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped, and he said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for, because it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. The more I sat on this passage here, the more... I was blown away by the gutsiness of Moses' requests and his interaction with God. He brazenly asked God, again, show me your glory. And God says, okay, but you only get to see a tiny glimpse of it. While hidden and protected in the rock and covered by the blast shield of my hand. Once I finish passing by, like the last bit of setting sun, then you can open your eyes and catch that last little bit. This just must have been a terrifying experience. Moses, maybe quite possibly second-guessed, is this the day I meet my maker by meeting my maker? Is he going to die because of God's holiness? And what amazes me, though, is that rather than saying to God, having been seen the radiance of just a sliver of God's presence, he doesn't say, God, please stay at a safe distance. Don't come too close to us because we are a stiff-necked people. You're holy, we're broken, let's let there be a safe space in between. No, Moses says just the opposite. Would you please go in the midst of us because we are a stiff-necked people. For Moses, as terrifyingly glorious as God's presence was, and he was, I think, keenly aware that He was just on the precipice of of dying in that glory, in that splendor. As terrifying as that was, the prospect of being left to themselves with their stiff-necked, unrepentant hearts, forgetful hearts, that was even more terrifying. So Moses says, no, go with us. Be in the midst of us even. We know Israel's history. They are continually... They were continually forgetting all of God's benefits, the opposite of what David commands here, just like us, just like you and just like me. So David's reminder of God's tenacious and steadfast love toward his children is much-needed good news for us this morning as we think about how forgetful and unsatisfied and indifferent, even, we are to the blessings and the benefits of God in our own lives. Whereas our frame is frail and we're dust and our heart's prone to fail because we come from dust, his steadfast love in the very midst of us is solid and sure and enduring. So the good news of the gospel is that even though we are not only often forget God's benefits, but we forget God himself, he never ever forgets us. God, speaking through Isaiah in chapter 49, 15, and 16, captures this unfailing love for us so tenderly and with an amazing foreshadowing of the cross of Christ. God says in Isaiah 49, can a woman, can a mother forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? That's like nearly impossible. But even such a mother, such a person might forget Yet I will not forget you. Behold, Israel, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. It is impossible for Jesus to forget you or forget me, even when we forget him. He has inscribed us on the palms of his hands through the nails of his cross. And that is amazing grace. Finally, we've talked about the bounty of Christ's benefits and the tenacity of those benefits. We'll just close out this morning with the boasting from Christ's benefits. So look back at verses 19 through 22. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. As David closes out his song, you hear the sound of a man whose soul has come alive and he cannot contain his excitement about who our great God and King is. Notice, church, the journey he's taken us in this song. He started at a place of maybe feeling a little apathetic or dead and needing to exhort and stir himself up and to preach to himself and his own soul to get it jump-started with remembrances of all of God's blessings in his life. And then as a result of himself, him stirring himself up, he gets to a place of remembering the goodness of God in his own life, and it's not enough for him to just enjoy that goodness for himself. He has to share it. And so he closes out his song by calling all of creation, not just his soul, not even just the angels, but just everything, all creatures of our God and King, to praise him, to lift their voices to God for all that he is and all that he has done in our world. That's not a sense of obligation for David. It's actually just a natural fulfillment and a carrying out of delighting himself in God. C.S. Lewis has this uh, brilliant observation about how God has created us that we get our deepest and fullest enjoyment of God when we share that enjoyment of him with others. In his book, Reflections on the Psalms, Lewis writes, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is a point... It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. It's frustrating to come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then to have to keep silent because the people you care for, uh, people with you care for it, no more than for a tin can in the ditch. To hear a good joke and to find no one to share it with The Scotch Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, but we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. How often are you boasting of his benefits? And of course, I don't mean in an arrogant way. I just mean when believers and unbelievers alike ask you, Hey, how are you doing? How have you been doing through this pandemic? How's life going? How often do you give praise to Jesus for one or more of his benefits in your life? Whether it's strength to go through the trial, the season of the pandemic, whether it's patience he's given you with a, a difficult child, whether it's restored health, whether it's health, help with the test of school or getting through virtual learning, whether it's less anxiety, whether it's a graded uh, vacation, etc. Let's not let those opportunities pass us by to enjoy God more by fully celebrating his goodness more broadly with those around us. Psalm 68, 19 in the New King James says, blessed be our God who daily loads us with benefits. So church, let's be a people together that remembers the bounty, rests in the tenacity, and boasts in the multitude of all the benefits of knowing and being known by God in Christ. Let's pray.